thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Good morning, Connect Church. Hey, let's thank our team for leading us out so well uh, this morning. Welcome to Connect Church. And man, from the bottom of our hearts, happy Mother's Day. We love moms here at Connect Church. You know, I've got a mom. I've got a mother-in-law that I love dearly, and I'm married to one of the best moms on the entire planet. And so happy Mother's Day. Thank you for all that you do, moms. That, is what, that which is seen, that, is, that which is unseen, thank you for the way that you love sacrificially, unconditionally, and overwhelmingly. We love moms. I found this this week. I love this. Uh, from a 19th century English novelist, of course, operating with the pen name George Eliot, she wrote this, Life began with waking up and loving my mother's face. I love that. Life began with waking up and loving my mother's face. But here's what we know, that no matter how much we love the face of our moms, That love pales in comparison, really, to how much mom loves our faces. How much she cares and how much she gives to her kids. So today, we make much of Jesus by celebrating moms. Now, for those men out there who you're just now finding out it's Mother's Day today, uh, you're welcome to leave for a few minutes. A Dollar General ride around the corner Go make this up, okay? Go make this happen uh, for the mom in your life. But we're so grateful for moms today. We're also uh, mindful that as we celebrate mom, that Mother's Day can be a little bit of a hard day for some. We know that. And we also, no matter the reason why today is hard, we just want you to know that, that you're loved today. You're thought of today. And together, we are thankful for Jesus who knows every longing in our heart, Jesus, who knows every hurt and offers to us today both healing and hope, even in the midst of our hurts. So happy Mother's Day, moms. Uh, Today, we continue in Nehemiah chapter 1. And what a perfect day to continue in the series, talking about how we translate God-sized vision into our everyday reality. Now, I want you to take your Bibles, if you would. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1, and as you turn there in the Old Testament, I I love some of these mom memes that really just kind of really picture what mom's lives are all about. I I love this. This is a a duck and her little uh, ducklings when a mom tries to walk anywhere in the house. Is that not true, mom, when you have young kids? Like, there's no bathroom safe in your house from your kids. I I love this. Uh, This is Epic mom right here. I'm going to donate these bags of old clothes to Goodwill, but first I'm going to drive around with them in my trunk for four months. Anybody's mom ever do that? I think we actually have stuff still in the van for Goodwill. I love this. It's spicy is the universal mom code word for I don't want to share. My wife used that yesterday. I love it. Uh, Here's a good one. Oh, this is good. Uh, When my kids act up in public, I like to yell, wait till I tell your mom and pretend they're not mine. That is a great, that's a mom cheat right there. I love that. Uh, Here's a a good one. Uh, I asked a police recruit during an exam, what would you do if you had to arrest your own mother? He said, call for backup. Hey, by the way, how many of y'all got a mom like that? I do, right? You better call for backup. Hopefully you're Nehemiah chapter one. And uh, today we're going to identify a very important building block when it comes to God-sized vision. 
And that building block is this. Bird. I love Wade. He uh, helped me. Now, he, he built this a lot better than I put it on here, but but the building block of burden. Last week we began to talk about God's sovereignty, how that even in the midst of chaos, that God is both in control and at work behind the scenes for his glory and our goods. But as we begin to talk vision again today, one of the things that we're going to understand and kind of uncover in Scripture is that all God-sized vision begins with great burden. All God-sized vision begins with great burden. In your Bibles, we find this in Nehemiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. We get kind of a front row seat here in the book of Nehemiah to see the very beginnings of vision. And here's what the Word of God says, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. Nehemiah says that I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile uh, and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. He goes on and says this. Now watch. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And its gates, well, they've been burned by fire. When I heard these things, Nehemiah said, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. I think it's amazing to me in this text that Nehemiah, whose name in Hebrew literally means the, the God of comfort or the God uh, that God comforts is anything but comforted at the news he hears of his hometown. Here's the report. The walls of Jerusalem, they are broken down. And you and I may say, well, what's, what's the big deal? Well, in that day, it's a very big deal for the walls of a city to be broken down. Because here's what it meant. It meant that there was no defense against her enemies if a city's walls were down. And not only were they defenseless, they were also seen as useless in those days. A useless city. Furthermore, in Nehemiah's day, the pagans viewed the walls of a temple of a god as a direct representation of the strength of that god of the temple. With no walls, the one true god who Nehemiah served, was ridiculed by the enemies of the people of God. And you know what? Nehemiah couldn't stomach it. Y'all ever heard the phrase, mama bear? Y'all mamas know what that means, don't you? Like, you're good and all, until somebody starts making fun of your kid, and then they'll never find their body. You understand that kind of mentality there? Well, you know what? Nehemiah kind of plays the part here of the mama bear. He cannot stomach the ridicule coming against God and his people. The fact that the the walls were broken, the news that he received, man, it hit him emotionally. It affected him physically. And in reality, it was a gut punch spiritually to him. But little did Nehemiah know that the burden he felt that day upon receiving that news was the beginning of a God-sized vision. In 1947, Bob Pierce found himself in China preaching the gospel with an organization called Youth for Christ. And there they had so many successful meetings where they shared the gospel with Chinese folks and, and many of them were being saved. Well, as he was on the streets after one of those meetings, he was walking down the streets and a poor old woman came up to him and said, Hey, Bob, 
I understand you have these meetings, and they're doing a lot of good. But she took him just off the side of the road, and she moved some branches, and there laid an abandoned little girl right there on the side of the street. And that poor old Chinese woman looked to Bob and said, what are you going to do about her? And immediately, the story is shared of how brokenhearted, how burdened Bob became for that little girl. So what he did was, he took the last $5 he had in his pocket, and he handed it to that old woman and said, here, you take care of that little girl. And he said, you know what? I will find a way next month to bring you another $5, and I'll do it every month that I have to. You feed her, and you take care of her. And every month, I'll send you my $5. Bob Pierce was both brokenhearted. He was, he was burdened. But little did he know that God would use his brokenness and his burden as the beginnings of a vision that would feed the children of the world. You see, it would be just a few years later that he would, find the, or he would found the organization entitled, named World Vision. The largest Christian international organization in the world ministering right now, even to this day, in over a hundred different countries. And what I love about Bob's story is that like Nehemiah, Bob Pierce was a, was a flawed man. There were some big shortcomings in his life. And yet we see that God took his brokenness and his burden and birthed a vision that in just the year 2020 alone gave 3.4 million people access to clean water, distributed over 178,000 metric tons of food in some 14 nations, helped to create over 1.3 million jobs in poverty-stricken nations, supported nearly 3.4 million children through child sponsorship, by giving them meals and access to education. Helped over 78.2 million people impacted by major disasters, by humanitarian emergencies, including tough-hit third-world nations because of COVID-19. You see, Bob's burden for an abandoned child was merely the beginning of a God-sized vision. And here's what we understand about vision today. And here's how vision works. We see it in the life of Nehemiah. We saw it in the life of Bob Pierce that vision begins with the reality of what is. The walls are broken. This child is hungry and abandoned. The reality of what is. And then envisions what could be. The walls must be and can be built again. That child must be and can be fed and cared for. And then vision determines by conviction what should be. There's what is, there's what could be, but vision plays out under the conviction of what should be. And from there, vision moves us to action. I love how one author put it. He said this, the deep feelings of Nehemiah were the initial birth pains of a vision that people would be reading about thousands of years later. And here we are today reading this incredible vision of Nehemiah. Now let me remind you something of Nehemiah's vision from last week. When I speak of his vision, 
I'm not speaking of angels coming down from heaven to Nehemiah with a message. I'm not speaking of a visual manifestation of the spiritual world. I'm not speaking the audible voice of God. There was no dream. Just bad news that burdened Nehemiah's heart. And through that burden, God gave birth to vision. And verse 12 of chapter 2 of Nehemiah reminds us a vision that God had put in Nehemiah's heart. Hey, and by the way, this is the type of vision most believers have most of the time today. Type of vision that you and I can experience in, in our everyday lives. Now, the Nehemiah... When it comes to to God-sized vision, here's what we're going to understand. That it is important that we have great burden. It's important that you and I experience brokenness for those things which are broken. But we must also understand that burden and brokenness are not enough. A vision with just burden and brokenness is incomplete until the child of God steps to the plate and begins to work. Bob Pierce had to do his part with world vision to see that come to be. Nehemiah had to do his part, or those walls would lie in ruin. And we're going to read here just for a minute. Nehemiah does do his part. Watch this in Nehemiah chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, Nehemiah says, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but the sadness of heart. You ever heard that phrase? I mean, you could just see it all over their face. Well, King Artaxerxes could see it all over the face of Nehemiah. Something was off. Something was was wrong. Something was broken. And I begin to think about Nehemiah's courage to stand that way before the king. All because of a burden he had for his people and his hometown. I want to stop just for a moment. I want to ask you this. When was the last time you were broken over? You were were burdened from your city, for your county, for your community. Man, Anthony, Sevier County, I don't see any broken walls anywhere. You're right. But we do have broken people and and broken marriages and we have broken families. We have lives lying in ruin due to addiction and alcoholism, depression, suicide, and, and loneliness, isolation. Godliness, holiness, and morality seem to be crumbling before our very eyes. Sin and selfishness, Satan, our enemies seek to burn down everything they touch. And my question is this, church, if we are not burdened for our city, for our county, our community, who will be? Who will be? Back to Nehemiah. Listen to what he says. I was very much afraid. I love his honesty. We're going to talk a little more about that here in a moment. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Good suck-up move. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Now we talked last week how Nehemiah was a cupbearer turned first, general, uh, first generation general contractor. 
but that his cup-bearing job was a pretty big deal. But why? Well, you see it played out here in Scripture. Uh, Kings oftentimes suffered under the threat of assassination. And one of the best ways to assassinate the king was by poisoning his wine or his food. And so the cupbearer would first taste the wine of the king. Some of you are all like, I like that job. But listen, dangerous job. He would take the first bite of the food of the king to ensure that the food was not poisoned and that the king would live. Now you see why this was such a position of power. Its proximity to the king couldn't be any closer. And it also explains why Nehemiah held a powerful position, was more than likely a wealthy man, and enjoyed the comforts of the Persian empire in service of the king. But notice this. He was very much afraid. Afraid of what? Well, I want to remind you something about vision before I answer that question. And here's the key. God-sized vision lies outside of our comfort zones, and it works without the safety nets that we like to surround ourselves with. If you think you have God-sized vision, and it doesn't scare you a little bit, it's not a little overwhelming, then my friends, you do not have God-sized vision. You have you-sized vision, and I have me-sized vision. When God is at work and he gives you a vision, it is far greater than you can accomplish in your own strength, and that's why we need him. That's why we desperately need him. We find this in Nehemiah's story, that what was customary in the ancient world were that subjects were to appear before the king both joyful and jovial. Here's why. Because if a person approached the king saddened of heart, then it might very well reflect poorly on the king's rule. Like the king wasn't enough, he wasn't doing a good job. In fact, if you approach the king in, sadden, in sadness, you very well could have been punished by the king. That's why Esther, in Esther chapter 4, was so nervous and so fearful to go before the, king of Artaxer- the father of the king of Artaxerxes, Xerxes. She was fearful to go before him because she very well could have been punished. But much like Esther, God had raised Nehemiah to the position of cupbearer for a time such as this. Hear me, church. Burden must be followed by boldness to act. If not, vision remains nothing more than wishful thinking. If we do not act upon the burden that God has given us, then all we have is merely a wishful thinking and not a God-sized vision. And I love this, what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 2. And the king said to me, Nehemiah, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. We're going to get into this more next week as well. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. You know, in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, we're also reminded that seated with King Artaxerxes is a quick mention to the queen. We talked about this a little bit last week. It's very plausible that Esther would still be alive to this day. And because it was Nehemiah, and because it was, it was overseeing the affairs of her people, that she is the very queen seated right next to King Artaxerxes, helping to ensure that her people, the people of God, 
receive the favor of the king. And we see that the king does request the, uh, request, uh, answer the request and, and not deny it, but gives it to Nehemiah and says, you know what, go forward with it. Here we go. We see Nehemiah chapter 2 that Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. Now, it's important to note that he heads out to Jerusalem about four months after this episode here with the king. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week, but the important thing is his action has been taken. He's heading to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, he says, I set out during the night with a few others. And watch this. I had not told anyone, and listen to how he characterizes this vision. What my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And there it is. The recipe for vision. Where God takes burden, he turns it into boldness, and he brings forth vision. The very vision on Nehemiah's heart was to rebuild the walls. For Nehemiah, the reality of what was gave way to the vision of what could be, which became his conviction of what should be, which translated Nehemiah's burden into action. So in other words... Nehemiah had a God-sized vision that he translated into his everyday reality. Seven months ago, as a church, we revealed our five-year vision, a vision that was birthed out of those for a heart for those who are far from God and apart from Christ, to connect them with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. We are equally as passionate as seeing disciples made, believers in discipleship, and families discipling one another. Discipling each other to know and to love and to follow after Jesus. You see, our vision is found in the very burden we have for a city that we love, a community that we love, a county that we love. It is our heartbeat and our vision to win our community for Christ, and where we can't, we weep but we also continue to work towards the vision that we believe the Lord put in our heart as he did in Nehemiah's. Well, well, Pastor Anthony, listen. I don't know how to build walls if they fall down. Uh, It seems like world vision and compassion and others do a really good job sponsoring kids and feeding the hungry and resourcing the world. I mean, what vision do I have to offer? What, what, can, what can God do in my life? Is there any vision for me to take hold of? Here's what I want you to understand. When you and I take what breaks and burdens our hearts and let God through His Word and His Spirit, we allow Him to put a vision in our hearts that He can use to His glory and to our good. He did that for Ben and Jennifer Jones who had a burden for families who would tragically lose a child somewhere in the birthing process. A burden to create gowns free of charge to give to these families so that moms and dads could hold their child one last time. A beautiful gown to which they could bury their child in. Well, what burdened their heart God became this great vision of loving on these families. God took their burden and gave them a vision to love and reach out to these families, to minister to them in one of the darkest and hardest times of their lives. What a ministry. What a God-sized vision. I think of some folks who joined us today from Pregnancy Resource Center. 
and the incredible work they do. Burden for moms and families who have unexpected pregnancies. A heart to help them choose life and to do everything they can to come alongside and resource and support these young families and these young moms and dads. And through that burden, God would give them a vision which now is Pregnancy Resource Center that every day they're on the front lines helping moms and dads and families choose life for their child and helping them to raise their kid in what was an unexpected and scary moment in their life. Burden that gave birth to vision. And speaking of of burden, I must mention this, because as a church, we are burdened for life. Life for everyone, for the born, and life for the unborn. You know, for once, I pray the rumors coming out of Washington are true. I pray that the tragic and erroneous decision of Roe versus Wade, I pray that it comes to an end, because abortion is not a right, life is a right. It's our burden that the federal government will take its hands off abortion, that abortion would go to state governments where they'll wrestle with the legality and the limits of abortion. But my prayer is that the people, the legislatures, the governors of these states would take a stand for life and protect the life of, listen, not only babies, but moms and dads. Moms and dads, too. As a church... We have a burden that children, every child who is conceived, will live. But we are equally as burdened for moms and dads who abortion is a part of their story. It's been a part of their their life. A burden to see those moms and dads know the grace, forgiveness, and hope of Jesus. Don't think it's possible? This past week I met with such a mom. Abortion's a part of her story. Then we celebrated together the joy that Jesus can bring even to the darkest and hardest parts of our stories. And that's our burden for moms and dads whose abortion is a part of their story. I love what M- Mother Teresa said. You're going to see my Catholic background coming in here a little bit. Mother Teresa said this, any country that accepts abortion is not teaching its people to love, but to use violence to get what they want. That is why the greatest destroyer of love and peace is abortion. And so as we celebrate groups like Pregnancy Resource Center, as a church, we must share the burden for life, not just the life of the child, which we are passionate for, but also the life of the mom and the dad. You see, what we learn about great vision we see not only in the story of Nehemiah, but God-sized vision doesn't just build walls and, and feed the world. It doesn't just make gowns, and it doesn't just offer resources to, to moms and dads. God-sized vision may very well be focused in on your one. You see, over a year ago, we launched a campaign entitled, Who's Your One? It's the idea of who is close to you that is far from God. And how do we get them the gospel? How do we see them come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Last Sunday, as I was standing out in the lobby, Teresa came to me. Tears in her eyes. I said, Teresa, what, what's going on? I haven't even preached yet, right? No, no reason for tears. 
she said, Pastor Anthony, my one who I've prayed for, who she'd been so burdened for for so long, last week gave his heart and his life to Jesus. And so she got to take an orange ping pong ball and write his initials. You see, his initials are on a white ping pong ball. Those were those we were praying for. But the minute they give their heart and their life to Jesus, the person who had them as their one got to write their initials on the orange ping pong balls and to celebrate what God had done. You see, God-sized vision not only rebuilds walls and feeds the children of the world and makes gowns for babies and fan to love on families and doesn't just resource uh, young families, men and women, moms and dads, with how to choose life and how to live life with their kid. God-sized vision also can have a burden for people who don't know Jesus. Now, I guess my question today is, where does your burden lie? Well, I have a big burden for my kids. Listen, that is God-sized and that is good. But what of the community where God has planted you? What are you, what are you burdened for? What walls do you see lying in ruin that God has broken your heart for? You might be here and be a believer and say, look, I, I don't know that there's anything that burdens me. I don't know that there's anything that breaks my heart. Then maybe your prayer should be that of Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision, when he said this one time, as a prayer, let my heart be broken with the things that break your heart, oh God. And so maybe as a believer today, the culmination of our time together is you praying that prayer. Father, would you break my heart for the very things that break your heart. Give me a burden. Most times I preached, it's all about Jesus taking your burden. But I'm going to put all the cards on the table today. I'm praying that you leave burden here today. Burden for the very things that burden the heart of God. It being Mother's Day, I found a story. It took place on August 16, 1987. Northwest Airlines Flight 225 plunged from the sky shortly after taking off from the Detroit airport, killing 155 people. But one person alone survived. This is four-year-old Cecilia at the time. In fact, when rescuers got on the scene, she was walking amidst the rubble. They thought that she was not even in the plane at all. She just walked onto the scene somehow, but after some investigation and looking at the passenger manifold, they realized that she was on the plane that had crashed, that had killed everybody. And as investigators tried to answer the question, how did this little girl, out of all people, survive? They found the story of exactly what happened. That as it was aware to those in the cabin of that plane that the plane was plummeting to the ground and crashing. Cecilia's mom, Paula, from what would have probably felt like comfort and safety in her seat, unbuckled her seatbelt, got on her knees before her daughter, and covered her daughter with her arms and would not let go. And by doing so, her little girl survived the crash. And the mama gave her very life to see 
that her girl would be okay. An amazing story. But not surprising, is it? Every mom in this room, in the same set of circumstances, would do the same for their child. Without question. But I got to thinking about this flight. I got to thinking about this mom sitting there, knowing the plane is going down, and yet her greatest burden, her greatest concern was her own daughter, enough that she would leave the comfort of her seat, wrap her arms around her little girl, shield her from the crash, and save her life. I got to thinking about Nehemiah leaving the comforts of his Persian capital cushy job to stand before a king when it could have cost him his very life and to leave for the war-torn Jerusalem. Why? Because of a burden that led to a God-sized vision. I think of Bob Pierce, who left the comforts of the American dream so that he could feed every abandoned little girl and little child in the world that he could and provide for them. What causes a man to do such a thing? Great burden that God turns into a God-sized vision. And I think of a mom hugging her little girl in the last moments of that mom's life. And how did she hang on? Because of great burden that God would use to save the life of her little girl. It reminds me of another great love. Of a God who left the comforts of heaven. He clothed himself in flesh and on the cross of Jesus, wrapped his arms around us, humanity, taking the brunt and the blow of the wrath of God upon himself, dying in our place so that we might live. And as the author of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2 would remind us, that we look to this Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, watch this, for the joy set before him, Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. What we begin to see is why would Jesus do that? What great love, what was the catalyst, you ready? God's great burden for you and for me. So great a burden that he sent his son Jesus to take our burden, our sin upon himself. And he let Jesus die in our place so that we might live. You see, your salvation and mine was a product of a great burden for his creation and a vision to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. We're reminded today that where there is no burden, there is no God-sized vision. Where there is no action, vision is merely wishful thinking. What burdens your heart? 
What breaks your heart today? Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.